0: This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego.
2: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, We have talked about the narrative machine a lot. I know everybody, um, (laughs) my friends and listeners sometimes tease me. They say I talk about the narrative machine a lot. Well, the Pro-America Report helps you by putting the narrative machine in perspective so that you know exactly the game they're playing Uh, on us especially at the uh, u.s congress right now so but we got a lot to cover we'll talk in a few moments with uh, stefano generini who is a lawyer who watches closely the european union excuse me the u.n and he has a piece up about the european union and the u.n trying to force abortion as a human right and he said the, 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 the the people who are the most happy about the dobbs decision other than americans are nations like malta and hungary poland that want to limit abortion and have been told by the european union and others you can't do that your sovereignty doesn't extend to that because it's a human right so we'll talk about that with stefano generini in a few moments and also ted malik ted malik's got a couple pieces out uh, one about uh, hunter biden uh, which sound which seems prescient because there's more news about hunter biden but also one about right living and at this point ted malik has i don't know six or seven decades under his belt and has a great perspective on that so all that to come but first What you need to know, this is a twofer. This is a twofer for you. I want to tell you in one way that we're losing as Americans and one way we're winning. Okay, so the way we're losing as Americans is I've never seen a more effective use of the narrative machine than what's happening with the January 6th select committee. Every aspect of it has been scripted like a made for TV movie, not a good movie. But a movie that is meant to tell you a message and you don't know what you're missing because you can't tell. So you have in this made for TV, the narrative machine, big tech, big media and big government. It's big government because it's the U.S. Congress with these hallowed halls and with these, uh, you know, marble backdrops and and U.S. Congress men and women Two Republicans are even on there and Democrats. It's bipartisan. Well, it's not bipartisan in the sense that there's no one actually cont- uh, contradicting the narrative. But be that as it may, this is the made-for-TV movie. And the movie is all about the shadowy secrets of the powerful man who was once president and how he tried to hang on to power. That's the narrative. Everything about it, including the, the details, has been positioned in such a way, cherry-picked in such a way, managed in such a way, including by a, a professional TV producer who knows exactly how to make this thing work exactly. So, I mean, exactly like they want. they got videos and videos that are edited carefully and, and sneaky, sneakily. All this is happening in front of our eyes, and here we are wondering What's the truth? Most Americans, I've been I've I've been out in uh, St. Louis uh, where our our organization, the Phyllis Eagles is based. And I've been at our headquarters there and I was meeting with folks and seeing some friends. Many, many people aren't paying much attention. But what is percolating through is, well, big government, you know, the government, the powerful force of government have had to investigate this terrible threat. And it's uh, well, there's something there right after. I mean, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have a Congress having these serious hearings if there wasn't something there. Right. Or. They actually believe it all. So most people say, I think there's something going on. There must have been some problem. There must have been some insurrection. Just like back in the day, they said, well, I don't know what happened with the Russia, Russia, Russia thing. But there must have been something. Right. So it's a hoax, but it's working. Then there's another set of people that believe everything they hear, probably a third of the country. So that's one aspect. I've never seen something happen. What you need to know is I've never seen something so effective. They learned from the Mueller investigation and the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax that you cannot leave the hearings to uh, a discussion of the truth or a report because you end up with a dud. Remember, the Russia hoax was a similar investigation. Big government, big media, big tech leaks, all kinds of possibilities, all kinds of this and that. When they got to the hearing, Mueller basically said, yeah, there wasn't anything there. And they were like, wait, you're not allowed to do that. And they didn't have a chance because there was an adversarial system where there were real uh, uh, people on the other side who were saying, wait, what are you talking about? How does this fit together? And Mueller, the Mueller, uh, the, the final, you know, um, the public facing portion of the Mueller investigation was a dud. Well, they learned their lesson. And so they've used they've used everything they can to build up to the record, build a record and then put out a pure piece of propaganda using video, using social media, using big tech, big media, big governance, a narrative machine. And if you don't think it's working to brainwash some portion of the public, you're just not paying attention to how good they've gotten at this. Now, what you also need to know is liars when they lie and politicians when they spin and uh, insiders are the narrative machine when they put this together. There are always holes and the holes. Let's say the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax. The hole was Mueller and the investigation. He actually did it, came up with nothing and had to say there was nothing there. And so then after that, everybody from Comey to Strzok, everybody said, well, uh, there was nothing on the Russia part. There was something over here and there and there. there Obstruction. And By the time you're done, you don't know anything except you think something probably happened. In this case, what you need to know is they had liars lie and, and politicians spin. And so the recent testimony of the young 23 or four year old staffer within moments, she was sort of debunked as lying. And last week, the testimony, of, uh, the testimony of, a, of a lawyer, Klikowski, I think his name was, Ken Klikowski, was instantly uh, made clear that they had cherry-picked the quote. They had cherry-picked the video. And he said, wait a second, I did 12 hours of interviews. And I said over and over again, I don't have this opinion. I have this opinion. You just ran a clip where I said some people wanted me to do a memo about this a bad opinion. I did it. My job. And now you're claiming I supported that. He's like, it's not true. And so that fell apart. And this one, the young woman, the 23 or four year old staffer who has these stories about Donald Trump's behavior because she heard from someone who might have heard from someone. Let me explain to you what happens. She has some big titles, but titles are about all you get in a White House. You don't get enough money, at these jobs. They give you titles and it doesn't mean much. I mean, sometimes it does. Stephen Miller's title, I think the whole time he was in a government was a special assistant to the president. Well, he was close to President Trump. That was a real position. But this woman, I think, had the same title. It didn't mean much. I mean, just I well, I, don't, I don't know for sure, but it's a lot of times it doesn't mean much. So her test quote testimony was all about what she thinks she knew other people said. They told her or whatever. Secondhand uh, innuendo. And she's a kid. And so she got herself where she she got herself in front under under oath in front of the world. And Liz Cheney encouraged it. And it looks like she at least was terribly mistaken or perjured herself on the question of like a handwritten note. She testified before, and I guess in the deposition, said so she didn't know, she wasn't sure, she didn't think it was her signature, her handwriting. And then in this testimony under oath, she said, yeah, it was my handwriting. And the guy who actually wrote it came out last night and said, hey, well, that, that was mine, not hers. My point here is, there is, what you need to know is, it is the most effective propaganda effort we've ever seen to try to persuade America, damage Donald Trump, damage Republicans, all that. And it's really effective. What you need to know also is it's failing. It's not succeeding in broadening the number of people who care. It's not succeeding in making more people believe what's going on. It's not succeeding in persuading new people. But here's the last part of what you need to know. If the first part of today's wink is that, yes, it's working, it's effective. And if the second part is when you're lying, it falls apart and it doesn't expand past the base. What I'm really saying there is they're radicalizing a big chunk of americans whether that chunk is 30 million 50 million 70 million i tend to think it's 10 million 20 million msnbc watchers and all these others but they're radicalizing people in a very unhealthy way because if you are if you believe and this is something naomi wolf said on our conversation yesterday if you believe that what's happening is so objectionable that it's a threat to democracy if that's what you believe January 6th was, if you believe somehow that when Donald Trump said, don't use the magnetometers, let the people come through. I don't care if they have weapons. And then, and then the conclusion drawn on MSNBC last night was he was for the armed insurrection. They were all armed, except not a single person had a gun that we ever found out in D.C. on January 6th and most other days. You, you, you have to be really dumb to not know not to bring weapons into the District of Columbia. They have really strict laws on guns. So but my point here is the effort to propagandize America. The narrative machine, it is it's very effective and it's not succeeding in expanding the number of people who believe them. That's not happening. It's not persuading Republicans or anything. It's only the people that want to believe. But the people that want to believe are becoming radicalized. And that's horrendous for the country because it's mostly a lie. Were there bad actors on January 6th? In other words, people that went too far and caused some violence. Yeah. Arrest them. But were, was, the, was the thing an armed insurrection? There's no, there's no evidence it was armed. There's no evidence it was an insurrection. And you're now just saying something to radicalize people. That's the worst thing you can do to otherwise good people is to radicalize them like this. So it's a very dangerous time. It's a very dangerous thing. And you have to be aware of that. You have to be aware of that. And because, again, what you need to know is it is effective. It is working. It's very good propaganda. What you need to know is also the liars are lying and they're getting caught. And so that's that's probably good. Not sure it'll be enough to break the narrative. But the last part of it, as I told you, is it's radical radicalizing a whole bunch of Americans in ways that are really terrible, really terrible. All right. We got to run. We'll come back. We will talk with uh, two guests today. Stefano Gennarini from uh, CFAM, as well as our friend Ted Malick. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the. Back in a moment. Welcome back, welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, You know, as we have seen over the last week or so... Since the decision in Dobbs came out, lots of people talking, speculating, wondering about what the future will be in different states, in uh, U.S. Congress even. But there's another body and another an, a place that we've also seen a lot of attention. Some of the foreign nations uh, leaders, uh, Macron and others, have condemned the change and all kinds of things. And so I thought, let's get uh, Stefano Gennarini, who's the vice president of legal studies for legal studies at uh, the Center for Family and Human Rights, Center for Family and Human Rights, often called CFAM for those of us that follow them, and c-fam.org is the website. Um, So, Stefano, welcome back to the program. How are you today?
1: Very well, Ed. Thanks for having me.
2: Great to have you. So, first of all, a, a standard, you know, question: what What's the what was the reaction at the UN? And Stefano, by the way, uh, CFAM does a lot of different things, but one of them is to pay close attention to what's happening at the UN. And Stefano has uh, had, had plays that role in a big way and has been on the show before talking about that. So, what, broadly, what was the reaction at the UN? And and how would you characterize the international response and some of the hypocrisies within it?
1: Well, there were two reactions at the UN. On the one hand, there's the reaction of member states, and there's also the reaction of uh, the UN bureaucracy or the UN officials. Um, The latter, the UN officials were incensed and were uh, outraged by uh, the fact that the Supreme Court could dare to let uh, the American people decide on the issue of abortion. Um, Whereas... uh, a lot of um, a lot of member states would have been very happy about this, this new precedent, you know, with the, mm-hmm. uh, with the Dobbs case, because, um, um, for, for many, many, many years, they have been for decades, they've been told by UN experts that abortion is an international right. And that their, their people, their countries simply have no say over the issue. And, um, Simply, this is a vindication not just for the sovereign rights of the American people to legislate against abortion oh, but I for see. the the sovereign rights of people all over the world to legislate oh. against abortion.
2: Oh, That's very interesting. In fact, I'm looking at c-fam.org, the website uh, for the Center uh, for Family and Human Rights, where uh, Stefano Generini is um, one of the uh, vice president for legal affairs. And I'm looking at this press. Uh, you wrote it up uh, early June uh, that the European Union backs the UN resolution to make abortion a human right. And within that, you mentioned there there are places like Malta and Poland and Hungary that have have and want to have laws that restrict abortion and therefore they're Uh, sort of uh, looking at this encouragingly uh, to see what uh, to see that it happened, that they have their sovereignty. I guess that's an important takeaway, especially if you're trying to fight off the EU and the UN that are trying to impinge on the on the authority. How how, but they're not going to stop. Right. How will how will the EU and the UN proceed from here?
1: Well, uh, you'll you'll find that the European Union in particular, our Western partners, including Canada, Nordic countries, um, also the Anglosphere, so the UK, um, New Zealand, Australia, these countries will <clears throat> try to undermine US sovereignty on this issue and will continue to try to undermine US sovereignty um, on this issue. And uh, the European Parliament, for example, adopted that resolution last month uh, against the Supreme Court, attacking the Supreme Court and the American people who have adopted any kind of restrictions on abortion at the state level. And um, they called for the European Commission, as well as European member, EU member states, members of the European Union, uh, countries within the European Union, to fund Abortion activism within the United States mm, and, really? as well as to um, create um, to carry out activism for abortion rights within the United Nations, um, you know while that resolution is not binding, the, the European Commission, which is the most powerful organ of the Euro- European Union, uh, will undoubtedly uh, carry out that kind of activism.
2: Uh, we're talking again with uh, Stefano Gennarini, the Vice President for Legal Studies uh, at the Center for Family and Human Rights, c fam.org. You can see more of his writing there. Um, pausing then on that for one second, um, If you're, is, is there a likelihood that, you know, we've seen in America, Some of the Hollywood stars say, well, you know, fly to California, we'll pay to cover your abortion. Or we even see corporations saying, which is insane to me, they say things like we'll pay for your abortion and your travel costs and your missed work. And you want to say, are you sure you're paying for what they prefer? Do you want the workers not to miss time for maternity leave? I mean, I, I, I hope someone brings that up. But but will Canada? where Trudeau came out dramatically and said how important it is. Could, could the international, could another nation, is there any expectation say, Hey, we want to play the role either through, I don't know, telemedicine, I guess, or even travel. I mean, is there destinations that that they're going to jump up and offer to be a destination for abortion?
1: Uh, Without a doubt, that's a possibility. Um, Uh I think more, what they will do more is um, they will, they will fund groups, uh, within the United States, hmm. uh, or who also work internationally, and then I also see. in the United States, um, to to promote abortion, and that and that's how they'll they'll under I try see. and undermine U.S. sovereignty. Um, I think that's going to be. They may also fund groups. Um, there are groups. Uh, there's one called Women on Waves, uh, which um, they they have like a like a cruise ship or uh, oh. that parks oh, outside. Right. Parks outside uh, ports uh, in cities where abortion is um, is outlawed and uh, they ferry women onto the boat, carry out an abortion and then send them on their way back without any follow up visits or anything like that. Uh, so you can imagine that's even dangerous. But there are way, there are things that are being undermined, uh, done to do undermine um, the laws of countries that are that are protective of the unborn. And uh, we can ex- certainly expect a lot of that in the United States. A lot of it also funded by uh, foreign governments.
2: Uh, Again, Stefano Gennarini is the vice president for legal studies at the Center for Family and Human Rights, c-fam.org to find out more Um, uh, on that note, um, the the money question uh, of one of the Ping pongs of policy for the last 30 or 40 years, I guess, has been the Mexico so called Mexico City Protocol, where when a Republican that's conservative comes in, and says, Hey, I'm going to stop any taxpayer dollars being sent to groups overseas that promote abortion or even, uh, I guess, promote for sure. And I certainly do abortions, but the Democrats come in and Biden did it right away and they say, Well, I'm, I'm rescinding that. Um, you know, money is power and um, the influence of money and especially. Uh, U.S. tax dollars. You know, I I watched these these leaders gather in uh, Spain for the NATO meeting and and the host, the Spanish government says, yeah, we we're going to try to get up to what we're supposed to do in terms of spending on defense. You know, two percent. We're at less than one percent or maybe close to it. But, you know, we got other priorities. And I'm thinking, yeah, well, America's funding a lot of priorities all over the world. Is there any um, do you have any um, expectation that the Mexico City Protocol now, could it be a priority of the pro of a pro-life U.S. House and Senate? Is that something that, you know, you could see developing? And and what's the reaction at the places like the U.N. and the world on on the, the idea that there could be a drop in funding? Well,
1: you'd also need a Republican in the White House uh, not to be, veto that uh, legislation. Uh-huh. You know, the Mexico City policy was born in order to address a loophole in uh, U.S. law in, in 1973, right after Roe v. Wade was uh, adopted by the Supreme Court, um Senator Helms um, proposed what's now been known become known as the Helms Amendment, which essentially bars any U.S. foreign assistance from being used to perform or promote abortion abroad, um, in-, in particular to violate the cons- conscience also of doctors. But what what happened is um, that only prohibits the use of U.S. funds uh, for abortion. It does not prohibit uh, organize, uh, the funding of groups that do do that with money received from other sources. And so essentially there was that loophole and the Mexico City policy simply bars anyone who performs or promotes abortions from receiving U.S. foreign assistance. And uh, seeing that enacted into a law would be really fen- phenomenal. And um, it certainly be, should be something, a priority for pro-lifers going forward uh, because just like uh, the slave trade could, ne- could not be ended until um, all government support and subsidies for the slave trade, um, um, were withdrawn, and eventually that also led to the demise of slavery. Uh, similarly, with abortion, you know, abortion is uh, the abortion industry is propped up by governments, and the fact that it is uh, allowed international funding for abortion is has been going on for decades. Uh, the moment that uh, the U.S. government stops funding abortion advocacy, um, this entire um, sort of castle. Will, will fall apart the, of that is the abortion mm. industry.
2: Well, and I think that's, um, that's an important part of what you're doing. So thank you. Uh, again, uh, uh, we need to finish up. Uh, Stefano Gennarini, the vice president for legal studies uh, at the Center for Family and Human Rights. I know you'll be watching closely and, and strategizing about what you're seeing happening, uh, whether it's the UN, the EU, or in our own nation. So uh, thank you for coming on with us and for your good work. And we'll speak again soon, I'm sure. Thank you. Thank you, sir. We'll take a break, everybody. Don't forget, I will put this up over on uh, proamericareport.com. Uh, you can check it out there. There's important things happening in the world and and um, on the uh, edges of what you're hearing in the paper and in the media. So uh, check them out. All right, we'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Be right back. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to catch up with our old friend, Ted Malik. Dr. Ted Malik, of course, is a, uh, well, prolific writer, has a number of books as well as uh, columns. Uh, in the last couple of years, he's been prolific over at American Greatness, the blog there, amgreatness.com. I will uh, put up on social media two of his pieces. Uh, welcome back, Ted. One of the pieces I'm going to put up is your recent uh, writings about uh, Joe Biden's closest advisor, his son, Hunter, as more of the news comes out that hunter biden's laptop contained uh, i don't know i guess it was on the laptop but it contains we have voicemails where it's clear joe biden knows his son is doing business in china uh the big guy i think was supposed to get 10 percent. at least that's what it sounded like so uh, i don't know what are your thoughts now on the hunter biden thing no one's covering it of course the media is ignoring it but it's another smoking gun yeah
3: except for for the the new york post and occasionally on certain shows on fox you might uh You know, the wonderful Miranda Devine, who wrote the book, The Laptop from Hell, comment on these new, uh, uh, you know, revelations. They're really not that surprising to any of us who follow it. But there is a 77-minute long encrypted uh, audio clip on this famous laptop, and much of this new information is divulged there. So, in fact, it cooperates the very things she's been talking about. Some of us have been talking about, of course, I wrote a parody. So this is meant to, yeah. be, this <laughs> right. is meant to make you uh, smile or maybe even laugh.
2: Yeah. Um, but but, Ted, if if all that's true, if all that has been written about is true, mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 so far past damning. Right. I mean, it is clearly. And, and do you think there's any reason to believe that the Democrats are, are, are tired of Biden? Don't think he can run again. And this is part of the drip, drip, drip to get him out, too.
3: You would have to say that, you know, given the comments of, you know, people like Van Jones and David Axelrod and others. I mean, they realize they have damaged goods. They made a mistake putting them there. But, you know, the, the behind the scene, the puppets are running the show, as they say, maybe even this Top Gun advisor under Biden himself. Uh, and yeah, they're they're concerned about the, the midterms, which are going to get shellacked, and now they're obviously talking about who will be their candidate in 24. It won't be, in in my view or, or in their view. I mean, I frankly hope that Biden runs and gets defeated by 10 or more points. But uh, it could be even, they said, this week, Hillary Clinton.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I saw I, I saw that. I thought that was delicious just to get it. it. It must be the summer and the things are slow. They need to get everybody something to talk about at the beach. Um, so uh, we're talking with Ted Malik again. Ted, I'm pausing for a second on this. Hunter Biden, as you say, Miranda Devine writes about it every now and then a Fox News. uh Really an opinion uh, uh, guy will talk about it. Not not the news. I'm talking about Hunter Biden's laptop. And then over. On uh, Up on the Capitol, the January 6th Select Committee, which, uh, you know, I, I in my early open to the show, I said, look, I want you to know one thing. It's it's effective propaganda. And the second part is it's not working to move new people to their position. But the third part is it is radicalizing the people that want to believe uh, something. I mean, it. have you ever seen anything like this?
3: Uh, yeah, in the 1930s, they had uh, so-called show trials in Stalin's Soviet Union. So that that would be the closest parallel. But, uh, you know, as our friend Mark Levine says, this is a form of American Marxism. And the communist who's running the committee and his uh, former Republican uh, sidekick, the late uh, uh, congresswoman from Wyoming, you know, make a farce of the whole thing. This is not a legitimate committee. It's unprecedented in American legislative history. There are no Republicans on the committee. The whole thing is a is a fiction and a farce. And yesterday they come up with this big new special story with this Trump uh, hater, a young woman who you know makes some new secondhand revelations. And then literally the next hour, the Secret Service comes out and says,
2: "Not true." Yeah, didn't happen. No, no. I it, it, but but you know, it's uh, Ted. I have to say, t- maybe I'm just um, down on the whole thing right now. I, I watched it and I thought, you know, as you point out, within about, about, about three hours, there were two of the major, uh, things that were refuted. One was this, uh, this, this, um, this, uh, action by Trump to grab the steering wheel of the, of the limo. Secret service said, no way. And another was this handwritten note that the woman said, oh, that's my handwritten note. And it was supposed oh. to show the state of mind of everybody. And within a couple hours, the guy who actually wrote the note said, yeah, that that's mine. And I told him, I wrote, I wrote that, you know, I told them three weeks ago. But having said all that, Ted, Um, You know, it's like when they the the old, you'll appreciate the detail, Ray Donovan, the labor secretary under uh, Reagan, who was indicted and went to trial. And when the trial was over on the steps of the courthouse, I think in Newark, New Jersey, he said, which office do I go? What's the room number for me to go get my reputation back? I mean, on one level, I know what you mean. It's a it's a farce. On another level, segments of the country are only hearing the snippets and they're and it's reinforcing the messaging they want which is insurrection, armed insurrection and out of control, Donald Trump. And it's not true, but I think it's kind of effective. Do you?
3: No, I think it's totally ineffective. First of all, about 10% of Americans are watching this crap. Secondly, okay. they probably tune out after about <laughs> three minutes. So it's a Washington show. So your okay. friends in the beltway of, one of whom I used to be. Fortunately, I'm not any longer. (laughs) The only people that are fascinated by this. And I think it will actually have a blowback effect so that it basically hardens all the Trump supporters. It makes the independents say, who are these lunatics? And then, although I don't believe there are that many real Democrats left anymore, in other words, the party has really gone left and become socialist, the Democrats themselves are going to have to say,
2: what? Right. 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 Um, we're talking with Ted Malik again. Uh, Ted, um, I'm bouncing around a little bit, but in the last segment, I interviewed a, um, a young a lawyer who watches the U.N. closely and uh, um, from the uh, Center for uh, Family and Human Rights, uh, a conservative group. And he was he was talking about how in the world um, when they saw the Dobbs decision. Um, places like Hungary and Poland and Malta that want to limit abortion rights and access to abortion, and, and they thought, "Oh, wow, uh, okay, w- America is showing they have their own sovereignty. Maybe we won't get pressured by the EU and the UN to, you know, to uh, protect a human right." They say we we should have, and we don't have. What's your sense right now? You know, NATO is going on, even as we're uh, recording this. So we, we've got uh, the G7 met. What's the what's the sense of the of the world, and what's your sense of international affairs at this moment?
3: Well, it's a big uh, question, a kind of Kissingerian question. I'd need volumes to answer that. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, uh, actually, now I could tease my next new piece. My piece coming out this week at American Greatness is, how do we get the Chinese to pay for their pandemic? And my first uh, argument in that piece is that globalism as an ideology has been proven to be a failure. So even as these bodies meet and try to assert their power, uh, I think you can see literally, not only with the Supreme Court decisions, but with victories, Orban in Hungary, et cetera, et cetera, Malta, you mentioned, um, you could see power flowing back to these subsidiary institutions and to nation states. So I don't want to say globalism is dead. I've been saying that for, you know, nearly a decade. <laughs> I'll say it's dying a slow death. That wasn't. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's on the it's a, uh all right uh ted malik um what about so what about trump now you mentioned earlier in this um that yeah. this the, this january 6th thing solidifies in some ways support for him uh do you feel like that means he's and uh, you know coming going to come out of the midterms and he's going to be running
3: well his candidates are for the most part winning everywhere his power in the republican party is you know as looming as it ever was uh I mean, timing in politics is everything. So, you know, the the more he's out of power, probably the focus is on other things, other people and younger candidates. So Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't deny that. But I I saw a bumper sticker the other day reminded me of other bumper stickers I've seen over the decades. It said WWTD. What would Trump do? Uh (laughs) Uh, So there's still an awful lot of affection for Donald Trump. Uh, if he decides to run, I think it's his, uh, if he doesn't, we've got a great bench. You got to love a lot of these people, man. Ron DeSantis, Mike Pompeo. I mean, everybody, but Judas Pence, I I think, uh, I think there's there's a long list.
2: Uh, real quick, uh, Ted, one more uh, comment on the immigration problem. Um, you know, in the last week we had... Uh, I don't know, almost almost 50. I think it's the reporting is 50 plus people died in one of these um, uh, uh, trucks that was coming across the border. We know that it's really millions to between two and three million illegals that have been ushered through. There's now reports of the Biden administration renting a an upscale a college campus to house uh, right. thousands of more. And they're moving them all over the country. Uh, first of all, it, this has got to be a major problem, but it's it's not break. I, I don't think it's breaking through for the public. Do you?
3: Well, it is it is breaking through to the public on the border states. Okay. Uh, I think it's slow breaking through probably to the national population. Uh, uh, but, but there is a massive Democrat plan going on to bring 20 million illegal immigrants into America and to j- change, dramatically change the demographics of the American population so that it will solidify a Democratic majority in perpetuity. So we have to see through that. I think you're going to get a Supreme Court here hearing tomorrow, uh two of them in fact, uh one on the administrative state, which we'll particularly like. And I think that's absolutely critical. But the second one we'll put an end to this, you know, Biden flirt flirtation with uh with immigration and we'll say you have to stay in Mexico.
2: Okay. All right. Ted Malek, as always, we'll look forward to the next piece. If you go to amgreatness.com, amgreatness.com, you'll see Ted Malik and you can find his many books uh, everywhere they sell books. Ted, we'll talk soon. Thank you. And I wish you well. Thanks. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. Don't forget. It's uh, the proamericareport.com, proamericareport.com uh, to uh, get all these uh, show, segments as standalone uh, pieces you can listen to. We'll be right back.
0: This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, the conservative pro-family broadcast of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a leading voice for the sanctity of life, traditional education, the Constitution, and American sovereignty. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin.
2: Enemies of the pro-life movement know that they can never win by talking about science because current medical science doesn't support their views. Instead, they'd rather make up their own reality and push people into hysterics. It's time for level heads to take control of the abortion debate once again, and appeal to science for our answers. Science supports the idea of preserving unborn life, and it resoundingly rejects cries from so-called moderates clamoring for exceptions. One of the most common exceptions called for is an exception to abortion laws in cases where the mother's life is at risk. I'm entirely opposed to this language, and not because I'm advocating for deaths of women. Rather, I'm advocating for a return to science. It's an absolute scientific fact that no abortion is ever performed to save the life of the mother. None. Zero. Zilch. Any claims to the contrary is Planned Parenthood propaganda. Sadly, tragic cases do exist where a procedure to save a mother's life may result in the death of an unborn child. One example of this is when a woman with cancer undergoes chemotherapy treatments. The treatments may result in a miscarriage. But this is not considered an abortion. In the case of ectopic pregnancies, an embryo implants in the fallopian tubes rather than the uterus, which is a scenario that neither mother or baby can survive. The portion of tube is extracted to save the mother's life, and the child is lost as a result. But by their scientific definition, these are not abortions, because the purpose is not to kill the child, but to save the mother. Intentions matter. Yet the left would like to reclassify these tragic cases as abortions, lumping them into the same category as intentionally killing a child because you'd rather have a boy than a girl. This shows just how reprehensible the pro abortion lobby is. To cover up their bloodlust, they traumatize women in tragic circumstances with these hideous labels. Don't fall for their gory game. There's no such thing as an abortion to save the life of the mother. Be pro life without exceptions.
0: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Our mission, clearly stated at phyllisschlafly.com, is to enable and mobilize grassroots activism on behalf of cherished conservative values. You're encouraged today to go online and read the goals we support and those we oppose. Then join us. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and come back next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
2: Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, let's wrap things up with a little bit of a conversation on uh, the uh, U.S. Supreme Court broadly uh, this term. Uh, it, we have I have had over the last week or so conversations with a number of folks, including John Schlafly, who's often a guest. He'll be on, I think, with us on Friday uh, or later this week, but uh, about the profound shift in the Supreme Court. Yes, it, it shows itself in Dobbs. But it also showed itself in the Second Amendment, the New York case. It's also showing itself on the regulatory state. It's also going to show itself on the uh, immigration question. And one of the realities of this is generally, and and I may be, excuse me, I'm coming at this from a more conservative bent. But one of the realities of this is that it's returning uh, things back to the way they were or should have been. So as you heard earlier in the week, Naomi Wolf, who's a liberal on the issue of abortion, she said Dobbs was a good decision because it turns it over to the people and the people are going to have the say. And she said, I have confidence in the people to decide right on the Second Amendment. It returned it to an understanding of the right accruing to everybody everywhere. It's a federal right or the right you kept Um, that that right is something you had and you didn't give it to government to take away whether you're in New York or Missouri. Whether you're in Texas or California, it's there. It's for you. And so I think one of the things that is important to, uh, to recognize is if you like what you're seeing with the, uh, with the, um, court, you have to think about how to describe it to people. In ways that they can understand the, the regulatory, the, the the case that's going to come down this week, uh, any day now, I, 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 is the is the idea of the EPA having regulatory authority that's kind of granted to it by Congress and then unchecked, unchecked for way too long. And so that what what the court is looking at and what they're going to decide is, hey, wait a second, you don't get that unchecked power. If the Congress wants to pass specific laws, pass the laws, not massive grants of authority as to immigration I believe that we're going to see a series of cases after this term into next term and the term after of the U.S. Supreme Court and cases at the lower level that say, wait a second, we have laws on the book. Do you know on the laws on the books? Do you know? And Jason Smith, the congressman from Missouri, talked about this during the Eagle uh, Collegians meeting about three weeks ago. There is over a billion dollars appropriated to be spent to build the wall. The money was appropriated to build the wall. It's sitting there. And simply because the Biden administration doesn't like the idea, they're not spending it, which is a terrible idea. It's the wrong thing to do. It shouldn't happen like that, and yet it is. And we're going to see some litigation around the edges of this that make it clear you can't do it like that. You actually have to enforce the law. You have to do what was appropriated. And I think we're going to see some action on that that's going to make a big difference. And so look for that. So the Supreme Court, to me, it's a kind of return to power devolving to the people, which, by the way, sooner or later, we're going to have a conversation. Why doesn't the Constitution, which says it it protects life, liberty and pursuit of happiness? Well, abortion is killing. Shouldn't it protect life? And there'll be people that argue that. And let's have that argument. But the Supreme Court has given us the opportunity to have these arguments. And that's a big, big, wonderful deal. So uh, that's great stuff. All right. Hey, let me say thank you. First of all, let me say thank you to Noah Dingley, our great producer. You don't know how much trouble he goes through uh, to get the show together because we do it in lots of different ways. Thank you also uh, to our team in St. Louis, Joanna Spilger, but also Ryan Height who's the communications director at the Phyllis Slaffley Eagles, who helps a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to make sure we get these things done. So uh, thank you to our team. Thank you for uh, listening. And make sure to pass on to other people these great segments that we have, these interviews, to spread the word, and uh, and tell them about the Pro-America Report, ProAmericaReport.com. And we will be back tomorrow. Talk to you then.
0: This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego.